Hey, everybody. Welcome to Geeky Dads Talk About Geeky Things. I'm JJ Johnson, and joining me today is Josh Smith. We're welcoming him back to the show. And then also on the show today, we have our first female guest, Big Five author, Becky Dean. Guys, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. All doing right. Good. Thanks. Thanks for letting me be an honorary dad today. <laughs> you are totally welcome. So Becky is the author of the new YA novel that just came out, Love and Great Expectations. Uh, Becky, you want to give us a quick little pitch for that? Sure. Like you said, it's a young adult contemporary. It's about a girl on a literary-themed scavenger hunt, takes her to the locations of classic novels throughout England. And of course, there's a cute British boy and some romance. All right. All right. Now, I'm not down with the cute British boy, but I'm always good for a romance rom-com type story. So now Becky's also got a science fiction trilogy coming out under a pen name. Is that not right? Uh, just my initials. It'll be BL Dean. Okay. All right. And that comes out in next spring? Probably around the end of the year, the first book. It'll be a four book series with Athon books. Excellent. Excellent. So everybody will want, yeah, want to check that out when it comes on. All right. So let's get into this. Today we are talking about Stranger Things Season 4. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I, okay, so let's, uh, uh, let's just get our opening thoughts. Let's just start out with our opening thoughts. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I, I know there are a lot of haters out there. I don't care. I think that this <laughs> was some of the best storytelling I've seen on television in a long time. And I've been a big fan of, of certain stories that just kind of leave you questioning things. I felt like they did what the TV show Lost didn't do. Mm. They went back to the beginning and they just started pulling everything, all these threads, all these questions. They just started pulling it together. And for me, I think it hit all the right marks. I think this is one of those shows where the side characters have just as important arcs and are just as important to the story as the main character. And I felt like they hit all the remarks. Now, before I get on to Josh and Becky's thoughts, I am going to say, because I didn't say this at the beginning, there will be spoilers. So if you've not watched season four, turn this off. Or if you don't care and you just want to hear us geek out about it, keep listening. So, uh, Josh, let's get your thoughts. What did you think? Um, I definitely think this was a season where the side characters shined more than the main characters um you know you've got to get your main characters from point a to point b and often authors will use humor characters or side characters or red shirts to kind of get them along the way um and i definitely felt specifically probably one of my more favorite characters was the russian guard this season um, i liked how he you know when the time came, he he made a good choice. He didn't make a selfish choice or a choice that um, even it even risked. You know, he talked about his family, his kid, and things like that. It's like he was risking those things in order to do the right thing and to get this guy who he said, "I will get you out." Now, yeah, I'm sure he was making money off of it and all these things initially, but I just I really liked his character, of course. Um, and so, yeah, I do think I enjoyed the coming back to 
11 in the in the the lab environment was really interesting sometimes i think that stories will take a flashback scene and make the story all the holes the plot holes and the things that didn't make sense in the story it's kind of retcon they use flashbacks to to retcon and say oh actually this is what happened or actually this is what happened but i think the duff brothers did a great job because they foreshadowed so much ahead of time so that all of these flashbacks fit into the story and it was like okay this all all these puzzle pieces fit together it's not nobody's forcing the story nobody's forcing these things to happen and i thought it was a it was a a really great thing now the only problem that i had with this season i'll say real quick is that i somehow missed that there was going to still be a season five and so i thought everything was going to get wrapped up (laughs) and so at the i kind of had to like take a step back and say okay let me readjust how i just interpreted everything in season four because there's going to be more so yeah yeah um Josh mentioned that the Becky and I were like, you didn't know that? And he's like, no, I yeah. didn't. <laughs> That's on me. Because he was like, I hated the ending. And I'm like, how could you hate that ending? <laughs> All right, Becky, what'd you think? Oh, yeah, I agree that I thought that this was a really great season. I really enjoyed the longer episodes, the length. Mm-hmm. Um, having each one be a little bit more like a movie. It was a lot more satisfying than some of the other streaming shows that are 30 or 40 minutes and you left fe- you're left feeling like you want more. So I really liked that aspect. I really agree about the side characters this season. I actually felt like despite being sort of the main characters since season one, that Mike and Will and even Eleven were sort of the least interesting characters Mm -hmm. to me this season. Um, Even with Eleven, sort of the real life bullying aspect and trying to get her powers back, I never felt quite as invested in her story as some of the others. Um, And I never actually thought that she killed all the other kids. Like I think they kind of wanted you to think. So I Mm -hmm. didn't think that there was quite as much tension there. Um, I didn't love the characters being separated. I thought all the, su- the subplots, some worked better than others. Um, and I really like it when all the characters are together, but overall, I thought it was a really great season. We had, I was, I, I was kind of late to the stranger things party. So we had watched seasons one through three, probably around the end of last year, beginning of this year. So I didn't have quite as long of a wait as everyone else for this season, which I thought was really great because we saw all of the callbacks to the earlier seasons without having to sort of try to remember what had happened. Mm. Um, and I was really impressed. I thought the production value was really high. The special effects, the music, just every, the visuals, everything was really fantastic. Um, you could tell that it's Netflix's high budget show um, and it came through really well. All right. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they tap into the 80s uh, very well. I mean, you got Masters of Pup Eddie playing Masters of Puppets up there. Oh, yeah. And that's... That song was released the same year that this story is taking place in season four. So they are doing a, a phenomenal job of just bringing the nostalgia alive. I do agree. That was my one complaint about the show is I don't like it when my characters are separated and all over the place. I understand it from a storytelling technique. And I like the fact that they brought them all together. But it's like they don't realize what that and nobody knows that L was in there. Except for Max, and she's like in this coma state, and you know, so nobody knows what Hopper and everybody else have been up to. So, yeah, I that was my complaint, but you know, I understand it from a storytelling technique. Now, let's get into these side characters because let's talk about Max and Eddie. Let's talk about mm-hmm. Max first. So, 
Peggy, what are your thoughts on Max and her story arc this season? I love Max. I think mm -hmm. not only is the actress fantastic, um, but her scenes in Dear Billy with the song and everything, she was just phenomenal this season. Um, I did have a really bad feeling as soon as they showed that cute little cartoon about her and Lucas going to the movies, like, oh no, this is not going to end well. They are not making that movie. Um, but I thought that it was a really great depiction of the trauma that she's been through, not just mm -hmm. with Billy last season, but sort of her whole life. Um, because even before Billy's death, he wasn't the best <laughs> brother and she didn't have a great family situation. So just her trauma kind of to a place of healing, being able to accept her darker feelings um, and coming to terms with those and then being able to save herself through the music, but also sort of recognizing that she has friends, that the role that her friends can play in healing. Um, I liked how it didn't instantly like saving herself once didn't necessarily mean she was free forever, which mm -hmm. is sort of like PTSD or trauma. Um, you can have those victories, but still have that looming. Um, so the fact that she was willing to sacrifice herself at the end um, was really powerful. And I know I hate to say this because she's amazing, but I almost wish that she had died um, and they had left it there. It was such a powerful scene um, with Lucas and everything that I think it almost lost a little bit of the impact. I know that we leave it up in the air and we don't fully know what they have planned for her in season five. But And I hate to say that because she's she is phenomenal, but I kind of... That would probably be the only thing I would have changed about that is maybe actually let her die for real. But when she started, when Vecna started her bones, I was like screaming. So it definitely yeah. worked as a storytelling <laughs> from a storytelling standpoint. I'll tell you one thing that I think the Duffer brothers are doing really well with these side characters that other shows do. And, you know, Josh kind of mentioned that, you know, red shirts earlier. They're just kind of there sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't have this emotional connection to now, in season three, Max was there. It was really kind of Billy's season, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was always kind of in the shadow. You understood her family situation, her friendship with Elle, her relationship with Lucas. You understood all that. But I wasn't emotionally connected to her as a character. This season, I mean, that one episode where they, they did something that I felt was amazing. One... They they made me care for her mm -hmm. in a, one of the most powerful scenes where she's sitting there reading this letter. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I feel the pain. I My heart breaks for her. I care about her. And then all of a sudden, as soon as they make you care, bam, she is in the upside down. And you're like, oh, my gosh, because you know what's happened to everybody else. And you're like, how is she going to escape? Mm -hmm. And that scene with, 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 you know, the Kate Bush running up that hill scene where she is trying to escape. You are literally on the edge of your seat just thinking, how is she, is she going to make it? And you don't know, but she does. And I think that's what they, they did that really well. Just they made me emotionally care for her this season. And they gave her such a powerful arc that you're just like, you're rooting for her more than you're rooting for anybody else in the show mm -hmm. at this point. And I felt like, and of course, we'll get the Vecna in a little bit, but you have to have a powerful villain in mm -hmm. order to make you care for her. And they did that so well. Josh, what are your thoughts on Max? 
So from a from a story writing standpoint and the whole try-fail cycle, try-fail cycle, um, I kind of assumed that she wouldn't die that first time with the whole running up the hill scene. Um, I wasn't sure how it was going to work, but like, you know, they're, they're making a big deal about it and they really had focused on her so hard. I try not to get too meta or too like, oh, this is what the writers are going to do, you know, when I'm watching shows because I think it takes the fun out of it. But I truly didn't expect her to die in that scene. I, I I figured something would happen, and it did. You know, they they were able to to stop Vecna in that scene and and move on. And like Becky said, I really love that it wasn't an insta cure. That she had to keep music playing. She had to keep fighting the fight, even when you know she was standing there with Lucas and they were having their moments. Things. It's like that still wasn't enough to keep her out of Vecna's reach. I thought that was really, really well done. And so, like like Becky said, uh, the scene where Vecna finally gets her and starts breaking her bones, and, and, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, this is it. Like, she's not coming back from this. Um, I do feel robbed of that emotional experience when she was in the hospital later. Now, we'll see what they do in season five again. I kind of, like, watched that last episode thinking it would be the end, and so when they kind of left it open, I was just like, well, that's dumb. Uh, but kind of the second, second think through the second watch through, you know, she's not safe. She's still in a coma. She's not well. Um, I think 11 will be able to reach her in her mind and that'll be interesting to see 11's powers kind of used differently or used, you know, I really like seeing 11 stuck physically far away from everybody, but calling back to a lot of the, the first season, second season, third season stuff where she's floating in a pool of salt and able just to like really quickly calm her body. She gets in and it was like, she kind of had her Luke Skywalker Jedi moment where she realized there is no spoon and she's, you know, got it all, not all figured out, but she was able to, to do the things that she knew how she could do. I thought that was really well done. So I think Max was, was easily one of my new, my favorite of the new characters that they brought in from the original, you know, five or six from the, um, I think, uh, Robin's pretty awesome too, but I'm sure we'll talk about some of the other side characters here. But uh, yeah, I think that the actress played such a great job and really did such a great job of making you attach yourself to, to her situation, her family life. Just, you know, I think all of us know people who have been in situations uh, with divorced parents or maybe family members. We've, we know people who have family members who are abusive or things like that. So it was it was very relatable and made me feel for her a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's get into Eddie real quick because this was, I mean, this is the first season we've seen Eddie. Uh, it's the last season we're seeing Eddie. Maybe and <laughs> maybe yeah, exactly. <laughs> you never know with this show. Um, Josh, what are your thoughts on Eddie, man? Well, Eddie was easily my favorite of any of the new characters. Uh, I play D&D, and so I loved the scene where they were in the high school and he had his whole thing set up and they did the really theatrical roles. That just was super fun, um, super awesome. Um, Eddie was also relatable in the fact that he just was trying to get by. You know, he was the geek, the nerd, the cool guy still, but like, you know, Chrissy didn't remember that she had met him like five years ago. 
And that just like, that's just, that sucks. <laughs> uh, so he was the guy who, again, who we all, you know, the archetype that we know. Um, I wish that they would have, when they brought up the scene about how he always runs away um, from fights, I wish they would have brought that up a little sooner um, and made that a bit more of a point because, yeah, he ran away when Chrissy died. He didn't run away when they all jumped into the water and went through the portal and putting myself in his shoes. First off, I don't know that I could swim 50, 60 feet down and be able to like find a big giant glowy portal, even in a nasty, dirty lake. Uh, that whole scene was, was interesting. Uh, but he didn't run away from that. And then at the end, you know, uh, he sacrificed himself in a pretty awesome way. That was, that was the death this season that, that yanked tears from my eyes at one in the morning is when I watched that last episode. So, but I've seen some interesting rumors. Um, I read an article the other day that some people think maybe he is 10, the boy who was talking to Papa in one of the scenes. And that would be interesting. I don't know that they'll pull many big crazy reveals like that in the last season, but you just never know. You know, I wonder, is he still alive? Is, is he somehow still in the upside down or, or I don't know. We'll see more than likely that's the end of, of good old Eddie, but his guitar scene was phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you. What'd you think? Yeah, I agree with almost all of that. Um, that was a truly epic guitar scene. Um, I had the other theory I heard Josh was, I don't know if you noticed, like they did a zoom in of some tattoos that he has on his arm and they were mm -hmm. little bats. And since he was attacked by the bats, that maybe he'll come back as sort of some upside down vampire type being. Mm. Um, but I just loved his character. He was fun and chaotic and I loved how he was himself um, and didn't care and sort of became the the second dad to the kids like Steve is. Um, it was, I, I also cried not so much when he died, but when Dustin was talking to his uncle later about how, you know, Eddie died a hero to save the town and still everybody in the real world didn't yeah. have any idea that that had happened. They still hated him. They still thought he was the villain and the bad guy. Um, and so I just thought that that was really sad that I didn't feel like he got quite the recognition that he deserved, even from our main characters, hmm. uh, other than Dustin. Yeah. But... I actually also loved the scene and I read that it was one of the last scenes they filmed where he and Chrissy meet in the woods before they both die. Mm. Um, and everybody was like, Oh man, they had such great chemistry. Why did we kill them off? But they had already filmed all their death scenes and knew they had to die. So mm. I did really like that scene with them together. Just these two different people um, that normally wouldn't end up together in a scene. Um, and I really liked the, well, hated slash liked of Jason as sort of the sub bad guy because it was very real world, but mm. you also hated him so much because yeah. we loved Eddie so much. And so I thought that that was a really well done subplot of the realism of not all bad guys look like Vecna. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, rest in peace, Eddie, and I hope you come back awesome. And Jason. I, <laughs> no, I don't want him to rest in peace. I wanted to, I actually wanted a worse death for him. I, I did too. That was another complaint of my show. It's like I did not get the death I wanted out of Jason. It was just, and it was just brief, you know, kind of on the, in the background. You wanted yeah. him to realize how wrong he'd been, and then maybe see Vecna in the upside down and sort of recognize that he'd been wrong this whole time, and then die. But. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but I think the Duffer Brothers do a really good job of listening to audiences. Um, I think that they technically did that with Hopper. 
I think they realized a lot of people, and they left that scene open to where if they had to bring him back, they could. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we'll get more of Eddie in like a flashback scene or something like that, kind of in the upside down, like you know Max had with Billy or something like that. Maybe Dustin has that moment. Um, this Eddie for me. This was spot on for the 80s because this is how it was for those that played D&D in the 80s. You had the jocks, that, that type of lifestyle, that, that division in, in high school society was still there. It's not quite there as much anymore. Society's changed quite a bit. But you had that, you know, that jock versus the, the door geek you know, guy that was playing D&D. That was all there in the 80s. And I think they did a really good job of showing how, how real that was taking place you know, you get the guy wearing the Letterman jacket and stuff like that. You know, that that was that was high school life back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like, you know, Eddie kind of had that 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 story line of, you know, he's the hero no one knows about. Sort of like mm-hmm. a Snape out of Harry Potter. You know, nobody knows. Everybody thought Snape was sort of evil there at the end. But, you know, Harry knew the truth. And I think that's the same same concept here. You know, people think that Eddie's just like this cult worshiping, you know, satanic type guy. And the truth is, is he wasn't that at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was, he was still kind of a weak person, but he rose the occasion when he needed to. And, you know, he, he became a hero. And that scene with Dustin at the end talking to his uncle, man, that got Mm -hmm. to me because I'm like, nobody knows except for Dustin and everybody else that was in there exactly what Eddie did. And I'm sorry, I grew up listening to Metallica, watching him play Master of Puppets on top of the trailer was just epic. I loved it. It was amazing. So hats off to Eddie. I loved it. I thought it was one of the best characters this season. And uh, I would love to see some sort of flashback scenes or something happen with him in the next season. So, all right, let's get on to three other characters. And the truth is, is, do we really need another love triangle in storytelling? And it feels like we're getting that with, we didn't get a whole lot out of Nancy, Steve and Jonathan. I felt like we got more out of Steve and Nancy than we did Jonathan. Um, I felt like Jonathan was just sort of being carried by the plot more this season, but Mm -hmm. you sort of have this slight love triangle going on here. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not really a big Jonathan fan. I didn't like Steve in the first season, but I came to love season uh, Steve in season two, and I kind of feel for Steve. I kind of, I, I, you know, I'm kind of hoping he wins the day here. What do you guys think, Becky? What do you think? Yeah, when I actually was a fan of Jonathan early on when he and Nancy first got together, um, but he really was sidelined this season. So you weren't so much invested in his relationship with Nancy if we're just talking strict love triangle. And everybody loves Steve now, right? I'm pretty sure he's the most mm-hmm. favorite character of everyone. And so That's why he's gonna die later. I know. I was terrified the entire season <laughs> that he was gonna die this season. So I was kind of surprised when he came out alive at the end. Um but I actually and I you know me, I write romance. I'm a big fan of romance. I kind of think that Nancy should just go off to college on her own and keep being awesome and escape Hawkins. And just be Nancy. Uh, hmm. That's a good theory. You see her through all of the seasons, like growing from just a young teenager to a sawed off shotgun shooting crazy supervillains in the upside down 
And even though I want Steve to find someone great because Steve is the best, like I kind of don't care so much about their romance lives. I just want Nancy to go be awesome. Hmm. Yeah. One thing I liked about Nancy this season is the initiative that she takes. And when she goes to visit Victor Creel, who was played by Robert England, you know, Freddy Krueger, and a scene that was such a flashback to Silence of the Lambs. And her and Robin are in there, and they're just taking this initiative. And I think what that shows you is just how much she's grown as a character. You know, in previous seasons, it's sort of like, you know, she's being pushed by the plot, that now mm -hmm. she's actually taking the initiative. And I kind of agree. I, th I think she should just go off and do her own thing. I think, you know, I, I love Steve. I love the hero that he was, where he dove in, you know, to kind of find this portal. I'm like, I'm, I'm with Josh on that, you know. Let's, not, let's make the lake a little shallower, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but I felt like you know Steve was was showed a lot of he heroics in this season and and the things that he was doing as well. And you know I kind of feel for Steve. I kind of want him to win. And mm -hmm. uh, but I feel like I feel like Becky's right that Nancy maybe needs to just go off and do her own thing. And I think you're seeing her grow as as a person and somebody who's a leader in a way. And I think that's great. Uh, Josh, what did you think of, of these three characters? Um, well, I think they've definitely put distance between Nancy and Steve uh, in the last couple of seasons. And I, th I think that's cool. Like, I, like, I think, you know, they definitely, she was so infatuated with him in the first season. He, she was his, or he was her end goal. And she's discovered that there are much better things in life than a high school boy. And, so, you know, I think her and, um, shoot, what's his name? Not Steve, the other guy. Jonathan. Jonathan. Man, sorry. It's, my brain's not here. He was uh, sort of forgettable this season. Other yeah, than... he was high the entire season. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, was done for humor. And Argyle is probably one of my other favorite characters. We'll get to him later, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, I think he was really not a strong male leader character and so that gave nancy the room to grow to to be the leader to push to to be the one making decisions and for him to support her i think was good because i don't think steve the first two seasons was a support character he was a i'm gonna lead i'm the one in charge so nancy had that room to grow if that makes sense and so i think now steve sees oh my gosh she's this amazing woman now and he realizes what he hasn't been able to find because, you know, they definitely hinted that he's been just dating around and with all these other girls and things. And, and you know, Robin teases him about that all the time. But I think I, I, I like that idea, Becky. I think if, if Nancy just decides, hey, I don't need a boy. I'm, I'm going to go off to college and I'm going to go find these ways that I can win. And, you know, maybe her and Steve end up together i don't know but i think that's that's an interesting thing i you know i don't read a lot of romance but i do agree with becky i think that that romance helps uh relationships and character connections and things like that so i i think that's that where the story makes sense i i think it's cool i i don't think that it was i don't think that it was really forced this love triangle um i think that it was just there and so nancy comes in seeing uh, Robin and Steve together so much, you know, of course she's going to assume that they're together. And so 
I, I think it was good to see Nancy and Steve leading together um, was good because it wasn't a, hey, here's the plan. We're going to go do, do this. I think they both led well together. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I getting back on Nancy and the initiative and Steve and his initiative and everybody, this is one of those series or seasons where for the first time, the adults are really off to the side. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got this whole whole Hopper story. We'll get to this in a minute, you know, happening over in Russia. But like Nancy's parents, they're like, they're just there. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and they're clueless, you know, what's really going on. It seems like, and even, you know, in the past, you always had Hopper and, you know, everybody kind of, the adults were there kind of helping out, even last season. This season, it's all these kids. They are the ones doing it. And mm-hmm. I kind of like that in a way. As much as I love Hopper and, you know, these adults, I, I don't know. For me, it just I love seeing these kids grow up and just go in and take charge. And so for me, that worked. Um, you know, I think, the, I think the shoot, let's get to that shooter scene and we'll get, it, we'll get the Papa here in a minute. But the, <laughs> I love the, uh, the shoot scene, uh, you know, the shooter scene is the only way I can describe it. <laughs> Where they're, they're waiting on a pizza and then they open the door mm. and, you know, it's these like government assassins or whatever. Um, I read a lot of articles about how long it took to shoot that scene and um, how they messed up so many times and they get close to the end and they had to reshoot because somebody stepped out of place or something like mm-hmm. that. And, um, oh, the pizza do Argyle. How do you say his Argyle. name? Argyle. Man, I don't know. I called the pizza uh, number. <laughs> I got busy signal for many times, but eventually I got through to him. Nice. <laughs> so what do you... Let's start with Becky, because I think Josh has got a lot of thoughts on Argyle. Becky, what do you think? Can I actually say that my other favorite was Argyle 2.0 when they end up at the other pizza place, like in another state, and there's like a guy exactly like him. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) No, I mean, I grew up in Southern California in the 80s, and so I liked that they relocated part of the scene or the series to California because the mall and the, um, the skating rink and just the little streets with the pizza bus like that was exactly my childhood so um (laughs) i liked i mean he was comic relief obviously um but i think in a show like this sometimes you need characters like that and so i appreciated that they kind of it's not all dark all the time they can add a little bit of humor um i mean i liked him i didn't think he was as memorable as you know eddie or some of the others but Mm -hmm. i still he was fun well i'm gonna put my two cents in on that shooting scene uh man what a terrifying situation for that secret service guy that that fbi guy who was just sitting on the couch watching his game show and the bullets start slinging um i thought the filming of that scene was beautiful the action was very well paced and well done uh him surviving all the way to the end was was believable it wasn't like how did he just get through a building with 14 people shooting? Like he was using cover. He was rotating from one spot to the next. He was pointing his gun in the right spot at the right time. Like, Oh man, it was almost as good as a John wick scene. In my opinion, this dude needs to go down in history as one of the great eighties action stars. Cause it was just well done. That's sad to see him, you know, 
get buried a foot down in some desert. But and I'm going to just hop in here and just say for all listeners, Josh is our residential gun protection expert. So he <laughs> he knows this stuff and he's been, he's done a lot of training and things like yeah. that. So he knows how realistic this Yeah, is it was it was well done in my opinion. Um, lot I can go into lots of details and things. That's not what this podcast is about. So <laughs> Our Argyle was fun. You know, he's definitely the fish out of water. You've got to have one of those in your story. The guy who just doesn't know what's going on and has to have everything explained to him all the time. Um, and just, you know, I thought his character was pretty funny. So we can move on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd like to see him back. I was, I was glad they brought Susie in, even though it was mm -hmm. brief. And, you know, she kind of had a little bit of, of, of hoping out there. It wasn't quite the never-ending story scene that we got the last season, but uh, it was still fun to see. Let's briefly touch on Papa, just briefly, because I really want to get the, the Hopper and Vecna. But manipulator or protector? What do you think, Becky? Oh, he's the worst. Like, <laughs> I know we were supposed to, at the end, kind of feel compassion for him when he's dying and he's asking Elle for absolution, and then she didn't give it to him. And I was like, cold girl, you go. Cause the thing for me that was <laughs> the thing for me was the contrast between him and Dr. Owens, right? Mm -hmm. Um, that they recognize that Elle is powerful, that she has these abilities that can be useful and help people or be used as weapons. But Papa was the one who created them, saw them as lab experiments, really saw them as tools, no matter the fact that he called himself their father. Um, whereas Dr. Owen still saw Elle as a teenage girl and a person. Mm -hmm. um, so when Elle sends Papa flying up against the wall, I was cheering and yeah. 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 And you can definitely tell that Becky's got a little slithering in her. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I agree. I agree because, you know, there the, I was sitting there at the, watching this scene and I went back and rewatched it. And, you know, he's carrying her out and he's rescuing her. But here's the deal. He's not rescuing her. Mm -hmm. He's rescuing her for his own purposes. He could have so rescued he, him herself if she, he didn't put the collar on her. So, Well, yeah, exactly. It's all for Papa. It's not for her. It's never been for her. And so I think he is a master manipulator. I think he is a great villain that's not supernatural in any way. And we got that with him. And I I felt like his death, I, you know, as cold as people want to say L was, I think it was justified. Because I don't think that he was pulling her out of that bunker for her. her, her. I think he was doing it for his own purposes. And I felt like you continue to see the selfishness in his motivations. Josh, what do you think? I'm on the devil's advocate. Uh... <laughs> Josh is the Hufflepuff. <laughs> I am the Hufflepuff. I see the good in everything and in everybody. Uh, I think in his own extremely twisted way, he loved Elle. And right. yes, he saw and wanted to use her power and to explore and to gain knowledge and to... I, I still don't necessarily know what his exact end goal was, even for the whole thing, other than furthering knowledge. Um, but I think in his own way, he loved those kids. And I think that in his own twisted way, he loved Elle. And so even him 
carrying her out, he wasn't selling her. Like, so if it would have just been about his survival, he would have let them take her and he would have survived. He would have wormed his way into being in charge of the next program to that whole thing, but he wanted to get her out. And so, yeah, sure. Maybe it was selfish because he wanted to be the one in control and to protect her for her abilities and things. But I do think that in his own very twisted way, he viewed himself as their protector, as their father figure, as the one who would change the world. He was way arrogant. His, his, you know, uh, the, I think the, the word hubris comes to mind where he was just, he knew that he was the one who had all the answers. It had to be him involved and in all of that. And so I, I do think that, yeah, he was a villain. He was not a good person. He, he did a lot of terrible, terrible things when she woke back up and she had the collar on. Oh, I wanted to punch him so hard. Yeah. Um, but in his own way, he truly believed that, that was the right thing to do. All right. All right. I, I can see what you're saying. I, 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 I don't necessarily agree 100%. But not saying that's what I would do. I'm saying that's what I, he would do. <laughs> I, I do agree that in his own twisted way, he probably did love Al. And I do agree with that. So um, let's move on to a less divisive topic. The side quest in Russia. The mm-hmm. rescue of Hopper. Josh, I know you got thoughts on Yuri. What did you think of this whole little side quest? Um, first off, maybe I missed something, but how did Hopper get to Russia? So he got picked up by the Russians in Hawkins, correct? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Um, so I loved that he's still alive. Hopper is probably one of my favorite characters. I love that actor. Um, I love he's just gruff and, you know, uh, a bit of a caveman and all these things. And yet he gets really great moments to show how much he cares and that he, I think is more of a good um, uh, antithesis to Dr. Brenner. Cause he yeah. protects L and he loves L and you know that as the, as the watcher, as the, the person along for the story. So I loved that he was still alive in Russia. I loved that, that he gets to this place Um where, hey, you're going to be in this arena fight against these monsters. And he's like, I know how to beat these things. Not necessarily uh, that he's going to survive. You know, I was a little nervous that he maybe wouldn't survive, but I didn't think that they would kill Hopper off without him getting another scene with Elle. Um, So I did like um, the, the, the Russian side character there. I thought he was great. I loved Murray this season. I thought he was kind of annoying the first couple times that they played him. He's he's sort of a weird comic relief because uh, he's just a strange person. <laughs> yeah. So the whole I can do black belt karate and like not really sure of himself. You know, he even talks about how like he likes to be boisterous and loud and that's kind of his shtick. But then when it came down to, hey, we got to actually do some action, like he was able to hold his own and he definitely helped along the plot. Um, so I enjoyed the subplot. It's definitely, I like in story when you have a large cast of characters, I do like to split them up. Um, I like it when books do that because it gives odd pairings. And so Joyce yeah. and Murray together, that's a weird pairing. But. <laughs> It worked. It was great. It was funny. They got stuff done. They kind of bumbled through everything. But once they got to Hopper, man, it was like you knew 
they're going to survive. They're going to beat these monsters and they're going to get the heck out because they can do anything together. So I, I enjoyed it. I do. I would like to know what happened to our Russian side characters at the end of the season. Hopefully we get a little bit more about them in season five. All right. Becky, what'd you think? Yeah, I echo all of that. I, I did wonder, like, did they come back to America? Like, where did they go? I'm not quite sure. Um, I did love Joyce and Murray together. Murray, especially when he became Yuri, was hilarious. Um, I thought that it maybe went on a little bit too long, that subplot, hmm. um, having it take the whole season. Um, but I do, I also really love Hopper. He's one of my favorite, along with Steve, where they took the season one sort of expectations for what the character was going to be and then subverted them. So when you first meet him, he's this small town cop who's drunk who doesn't look like he's going to be competent at all um and he ends up being one of the strongest and most reliable father figure characters and so i really love him i liked like you said josh when we got to see him use his skills and his knowledge to um kind of take charge in russia i'm mm -hmm. kind of curious how like he broke his ankles right to get out of the shackles but Oof. he's still running around on them for another week <laughs> after. i was a little curious how that all worked um yeah, I think this, that's yeah. one of those things where we need to reach out to somebody with medical advice. Like, <laughs> how in the world this happened, man? Yeah. Um, and I thought his monologue scene to his guard buddy when they're locked up and he talked about Elle and his other mm -hmm. daughter who died. Like, that was a fantastic, like, just the actor did a great job with all of it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's close this out with everybody's favorite villain this season. And that is Vecna. And I'm only going to refer to him as Becca instead of one. Um, it's just because he's got like three names. But um, I felt like revealing him as one, uh, as Victor Krill's son, I felt like they, they tied, this is one of those threads, they just tied it all together. And knowing that he is there because Elle put him there mm -hmm. is, is phenomenal. And she's been dealing with this loss of memory she's not remembering all this stuff um i felt like he was a great great villain mm -hmm. and you know he kind of he had like they brought in you know robert england and he, so he kind of had this freddy krueger vibe to him and the voice and everything and um i don't know there's something about him that creeps me out there's something about him that kind of terrifies me um and obviously, he is definitely not finished yet. Mm -hmm. And you are seeing that with that final scene as the upside down and the, I, I guess it's ash flakes. I don't know what those are that's falling from the sky, but it's everything's coming into like it's morphing into our world. And I feel like they hit the right notes. I heard the actor that played him had to be in the makeup chair for like six hours mm -hmm. in order to film the scenes and i'm like oh my gosh so hats off to, to him i mean uh you know to play two different roles and to be in the makeup and do those scenes uh that's just incredible so uh becky what do you think yeah i thought he was a great villain um definitely terrifying especially once you have that full vader moment right where he kills a whole bunch of kids and you know there's absolutely nothing he won't do there's nothing too far and so when you have a villain like that it really ups the stakes for the rest of the series because any like no one's safe um 
I loved the reveal, sort of all of his different identities. I, I saw some of it coming, but not all mm -hmm. of it. Whenever you have an actor who's as great as Jamie Campbell Bauer is just playing a simple orderly in the lab, like I kind of knew that something had to be up with him because they yeah. wouldn't waste him in such a simple role. But I didn't see all of it coming, um, all the connections. So that was really well done. Um, and I just liked the sort of how he's been pulling the strings all along, right? The Demigorgon and the the Mind Flayer and all of the past villains, how he's, I'm not, I don't have, I'm hoping that they'll answer this in season five, sort of how that all ties in. Like what was in the Upside Down when he got there? What did he build? Mm -hmm. How did he get control over all of these other creatures? Um, yeah. But I feel like, kind of like you said, unlike with Lost, I feel like we're going to get those answers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Josh, what did you think? Um, so that was kind of one of the questions that I had pretty early on in the, in the series is what is the upside down? How did it form? Has it just kind of always been there? The place when L goes and it's just sort of like, you know, an inch of water and it's black. Is that the same thing as the upside down? And so I liked getting some more views into um, when, when um, I think it's Peter or, or, uh, when, whenever he went the first time, when, when L pushed him through the portal, I thought it was really cool seeing him, like, walking through this wasteland. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I did, basically, as soon as he popped up on camera as the orderly, I'm like, this guy is something. This guy is important, because we hadn't seen him yet. I think that's a, a thing that writers need to uh, be careful of, is introducing a character too conveniently. I think if we would have seen him in some of her flashbacks before, I think it would have just been like, oh, okay, he was just some random orderly who was there. Uh, but because they brought him in when it's like, hey, you're going to figure out how to get your powers back. And the first thing she encounters is this person. Um, now, granted, I think because she had had that trauma and had wiped those memories essentially from her own mind, of course, she would have completely forgot who this person was. Um, I loved that. Um, you know, he was just a kid who had some pretty sick fascinations and uh, discovered he had some some gifts. Uh, I think as a fantasy, that's a that is how serial killers are born. <laughs> um, so I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I liked that they touched on that. I hate. I'm I am not a great horror fan. And so the whole bone snapping and eyes bleeding, I'm not a big fan of that level of stuff, but, um, you know, I kind of stomach through, I put my hand in front of the screen a couple of times, uh, just cause it's, you know, it's not my cup of tea, but I loved just how he, he did feel very Vader. Like he was willing as soon as that chip was out and he could use his powers, he went bananas. He went full on Padawan slaying, youngling slaying on everything. Um, I believe that Brenner at one point or somebody at one point made a comment that he, when he killed something, he took its energy or its power. And so I'm wondering if, if they'll explore that a little more, or if I'm wrong in that, somebody can correct me in the comments. Um, but that would kind of help explain why when he got to the upside down, why he was powerful enough to start manipulating and using some of the other uh, creatures in the upside down. And when he sees the, what I think they call the mind flare, that dust cloud thing uh, in his, in the flashback, that thing went into him. And so I think it's not even just him 
his consciousness in in Vecna. I think it's also whatever evil was already in the Upside Down. And whether we're going to get a whole heaven and hell thing and this is just, you know, pure evil or pure hatred and that's what's empowered him to do all of these things and, and morphed his body and, and caused him to become even more evil than he already was. Um, I think it's interesting. Uh, the last thing that I'll say is I, I like to see a villain succeed in their plan because then that means that they were capable. And so as much as I hated the fact that he killed three people with Max being the last death because she did die. Um, the moment that the tears started opening up in Hawkins, my brain was just like, what on earth are they going to do? Like, how do you fix a canyon full of lava in your town? <laughs> you know, even just logistically, yeah. I end up, I, you know, sometimes I disconnect and I, my brain goes to like, do they even have like phone lines that are up or electrical lines and things like that? I mean, this is this is the time where Hawkins is gonna have to. They're being forced to see that there's something else going on. That like, how do you explain out all of this stuff that's happening now and let it be? Oh, it's just a an earthquake or it was a fault line or something like that. I think it's gonna be interesting to see. And and I definitely think he's not dead. You know, he'll definitely be around for season five. Um, I think it's gonna be really cool to get some more. You know what? What were his end goals? How did he get there? Kind of, kind of some more depth into his character. I think will be pretty interesting. But I definitely liked his character. I liked him as a villain because it was it. He was so powerful. Um, I because I even felt when they were tracking him through the house with the lights that Vecna knew and Vecna mm -hmm. was using them, and he was leading them along. So they thought that they were going to be able to beat him. Um, so I still think he's one of those characters who I, you already assume he is 10 steps ahead of you at all times. Yeah. 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 I, I think also, like you mentioned the, the whole town being kind of <laughs> destroyed at the end. I respect that in storytelling. I feel like yeah. sometimes the, as a writer, I'm not always willing to go that far. Yeah. And so I respected that storytelling choice to have him succeed, have the town fall apart, have mm -hmm. the upside world um i thought that was a great it makes for a great final season mm -hmm. yeah definitely my big question was is why did he use nancy to reveal everything to because that's really kind of what he was doing you know she she went to climb through and fall through the trailer you know and she didn't make it and he was revealing things to her so that was my big question is why was it why why did he choose nancy yeah, my thought I'd, was because go ahead. of my. I was gonna say my thought was because of the kids that are left. She's the one who has that dark moment because he obviously preys on your moments of yeah. fear or shame or regret. Um, your kind of your darkest memories, and since they flash back to Barb from season one, uh, Nancy was obviously the one that had that moment. I was pretty convinced that actually Nancy was gonna die at the end. That she was gonna be the third death, and yeah. that. And that Max was going to live because she had had the the vision. She had heard the clock. She had the guilt. Um, and so I thought that's how they were going to end uh, this story arc. And they didn't. But I think that that is a thing that will carry over into the next season. Yeah. 
Yeah, I liked one one aspect I liked about the upside down is when Nancy's in there and she's going through and she can't find the gun. And she's looking at her I think it was her diary journal or whatever, and it was dated for the same date. Um oh what's his face originally disappeared. That will, yeah, that will yeah. disappeared. Yes, the same date that Will disappeared. And, and mm. so it's kind of like, wow, wait a minute. This is all frozen in the past for them. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really cool twist, or not twist, but just aspect of the Upside Down, that it's sort of this, it's the past, but it's frozen in the past. It, it, it kind of messes with your mind. And, you know, unlike Josh, I'm a big horror fan. I'm, I'm a big Stephen King fan, so we'll, you know, Carrie, Firestarry, The Dead Zone. A lot of those stories that were written in the eighties, um, you know, it, it kind of, they kind of touch on the same thing that Stranger Things is here is, is touching mm-hmm. on. So, for me, you know, growing up being a kid that snuck, you know, Stephen King out of the library and <laughs> and read it as a twelve and thirteen year old kid, uh, this this hit all the wrong notes. So, I I mean, all the right notes, but I don't know. There's something about it. I'm looking forward to season five and. I've got one more comment. Yeah. So the whole thing with when they get to the upside down and everything was sort of a snapshot of the day that Will left, I think is important. I think that Will will end up either becoming evil or there that he's going to be very important in season five. Um, you know, he was the one who had been... Uh, possessed by the mind flayer he had been the one who had spit up the demodogs or whatever in season two i i think that there's gonna be some interesting stuff they definitely played into his character a lot this season a little more i think it was all very subtle but you know that he's feeling loss and he's feeling this separation between his friends um yeah and he's feeling like he's on the outs um i think they, they did that very well without slapping you over the face with it um so I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Will. I think he's going to be important in season five. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and they kind of hinted to it when he's sitting there kind of rubbing the back of his neck there yep. at that yep. last scene. So I think he's going to be extremely important. So, all right. Well, Josh, Becky, I appreciate you all coming on. I think we have beat this to death, and we could probably go another two hours because we'll get <laughs> off of here and we'll think about about 20 other things that we forgot to discuss. But – you know, we can always do that in our private group. If you have something that anybody has anything that they want to discuss, we invite you to come and be a part of that and join the discussion. Yeah. This has been Josh and Becky, and I'm JJ, and this has been Geeky Dads. Talk about geeky things. Thanks for listening. <laughs>